Hey everyone, I'm Zach. I'm the lead pastor here at Restore. Thanks so much for checking out this week's podcast. I hope that it encourages you and inspires you, and I hope that you have some community around you to talk through these truths and concepts with. If you don't have community like that, we would love to invite you to be a part of Restore. You can get all the information about our church at restoreaustin.org. We would love to see you soon at one of our Sunday gatherings, and we hope you enjoy this week's podcast. I'm sure we've all heard the saying, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. It's a pretty common phrase. But I remember entering into college as a student athlete at the University of Oklahoma, and I had moved from Houston to Norman, which was six and a half hours away. I had had a car since I was 16, and so I immediately felt this loss of freedom because I didn't take a car to college. And so as we were um, trying to figure out you know, who we were, it was really difficult for me. I was bringing a lot of baggage, you know, from my past, and I was hoping that as I got there, I would, you know, figure out who I was, but that I'd also experience, you know, some healing and some breakthroughs, and that I'd be able to move forward with my life. And so I just found it really difficult because um, they planned our schedule, you know, for us, and so as I entered into college, they told us what classes I was taking, what time I was to be at workouts what time I was going to eat, where I was going to live. And so the more I tried to control things, the more I felt things just completely spinning out of control. Each year we would do this triathlon, and (laughs) this particular year we split the triathlon up into three teams, into uh, teams of three. And so one person took the swim, one person took the bike, and one person took the run which is really good for me because I'm not a super strong swimmer and I don't really like running. And so by default, I got the bike. And so that seemed all great, you know, a 10-mile bike around campus. But the only problem was that since I was new to campus, I didn't know where anything was. And so they had told us to make sure that we map out the the trail and that we, um, you know, do it beforehand. And so me being directionally challenged, I knew that wasn't going to help me because literally even using the GPS, I get lost on a racetrack. That's how bad it is. And so my whole plan was to follow the person in front of me because the swim goes first and then the bike and then the run. And so I didn't know that my teammate that was doing the swim first was Michael Phelps because she shot out of a cannon and she killed it. So I'm starting to get nervous because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, (laughs) what's happening here? She's going to be the first one out of the pool and what am I going to do? And so the only thing I did right that day was make it from the pool to my bike right outside the door. After that, it was pretty much all downhill. And so I'm looking at my map, trying to figure out where I'm going. And 10 minutes passed, maybe 15 minutes passed, and I don't see anybody. I don't see any of my teammates. And so eventually my coach finds me and she's on the golf cart. And so I've got to follow behind her on the golf cart back to the field where my teammate was waiting to do the run. I get there and the entire thing is finished. All the other teams have finished the entire triathlon and my teammate still has to do the run. I felt horrible. I felt completely terrible. No part of this day was going according to plan. And here I was, you know, letting my team down. And so that was just a really difficult, you know, time for me because I'm looking and I'm wondering, okay, Lord, like, where's the lemonade in this? How could you possibly turn this situation into something good? 
you know, and I think that we've all experienced those moments where we've felt like we've prepared as best we could, you know, we've done all that we can do, and we're still wondering, you know, Lord, how did I get here? How did I end up here? Sometimes that's the million dollar question. How did I get here? And there's those moments where we want God to do something. We want God to move quicker. We want God to fix it. And God is saying, not yet. What do you mean not yet? Well, sometimes the Lord is pruning us and sometimes the Lord is preparing us. And those seasons are extremely difficult. You know, like right now, there's so many things out of our control. There's so many things that feel so chaotic. You know, the pandemic, Snowvid, and all the other things going on, trying to find some normalcy in within our lives. And we're wondering, Lord, you know, where are you? Where are you in the midst of all of this? How could you possibly be preparing us for something greater when we're experiencing so much pain and stress and loss? You know, not only ourselves, but the people that we love. It's so difficult seeing people that we love struggle with addiction and disease and healing from a divorce or from abuse and seeing our parents or people that we love healing from the same. You know, it's difficult going through heartache and heartbreak and, you know, wondering where's the lemonade in that? You know, we want to fix it. We want it to be fixed. We want to make everything better. I know that one of my favorite things is when my son, who's two, when he falls down, he runs over to me and I just give him the biggest embrace and he immediately stops crying. You know, we want to make the world better for the people that we love. And sometimes we feel like our lives are so hectic, so chaotic, and we're wondering, when will we get a break? You know, Lord, when will we get a break from all of this? Never seems like there's enough time in the day to focus on your physical health, your mental health, your spiritual health, staying connected to the source. You know, it's easy to put off the things that will benefit us, and it's easy to get into a rut, into a cycle, and it's hard to get out of that. You know, it happens to all of us. And it's, you know, the question is in those moments, like, what is God calling us to? What is it that he's getting us to learn so that we don't have to continue the cycle of guilt and shame that makes us feel like the chaos is so loud that we will continue to feel disconnected from the world? How do we silence the noise and trust in the Lord's plan? As we dive into the story of Jesus in the Gospels, which begins in Matthew, we see that everything that has happened here has happened for a reason, to fulfill a prophecy and for God's divine purpose. Because what was to come was far greater than anything we could ever imagine or think. So I want you to go to Matthew 21. As you're searching the text, you can type it into Google or you can scroll down into the New Testament on your app. Uh, it'll be the first book, Matthew 21. So we're going to read about Matthew in Matthew 21 about Palm Sunday and Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And so this is the beginning of Holy Week. So what was to come was Good Friday, which is the crucifixion, and the resurrection, which is on Sunday. So let's read about that in Matthew 21, starting at verse 1. It says, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. That took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. 
So the prophet Zechariah heard directly from God about the coming of the Messiah hundreds of years before it happens. And so we see here the prophecy of Zechariah spoken in verse 5, and it says, Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. As you see, it says here, gentle. So Jesus could, have rose, Jesus could have chosen a horse to ride in on, which symbolizes war, but he chooses a donkey instead, which symbolizes peace. And days before he would be betrayed and handed over to be crucified, instead of choosing to go to war, he chooses peace. I don't know about y'all, but I'd be feeling like going to war at this moment over my friends betraying me. But that's why he is Jesus. He flexes on all of us here, and he shows and demonstrates his complete authority. So back to verse six, it says, the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. So what happens next reminds me of the time I attended the Houston Astros 2017 World Series celebration. It was so fun. It was so energetic. I remember racing around the city trying to find my shirt because everyone was sold out. I remember ordering a newspaper because I had to have it. I had to have the memories of that historic day. As we drove to downtown Houston, there were so many people everywhere. You could barely get close. And so we parked. We walked probably at least a mile or a mile and a half to get to the crowd. And as we got there, there was people rows and rows and rows and rows deep. I mean, you could hardly walk anywhere. You could hardly stand anywhere. There was people all over the parking garages. There was people on rooftops. And so we're wondering, okay, how are we going to get a glimpse of the champs? And so we, we see people sneaking to a parking garage. And so me and my friend went right behind them, right before the door closed. And so we ran up the parking garage. We were on the third floor. We we found our spot, and there they were. So we saw the parade floats coming down, and the energy just was crazy. And so as the champs got closer, we were taking pictures. We just wanted to see them. You know, we were so excited. And so I imagine this was the scene in Jerusalem as Jesus is entering in. People are going nuts, just rows and rows, and people screaming and cheering for the Savior, the champ of the world. And so verse 8 says, A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. This is where I imagine that crowd going absolutely nuts for Jesus, the champion of the world. They're rooting him on because they believe that he is going to take this darkness and turn it into light. And they can take heart because they know that he has and he will overcome the world. Verse 10 says, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowd answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. From Nazareth, an unlikely place, comes a man, Jesus, who would fulfill the prophecy as the Messiah, the Savior of the world. You know, it was really difficult this time for the disciples to understand what was happening because his triumphant entry into Jerusalem as the promised Messiah was not to ascend to the throne, but to die on the cross. Being friends of Jesus, they wanted to see him lifted high with a crown on his head, being adorned, being celebrated, but instead he would get nails in his hands and a crown of thorn on his heads. That is what would await him. 
believe these things happen in order to show the sovereignty of God. Sovereignty meaning that he has all things under control. Just as we hate to see friends suffer and our families going through hard things, the the friends of Jesus, the disciples, they felt the same. You know, denial and disbelief plagued them. Although Jesus told them this would come, that this would happen, they still didn't want to believe it. And even Jesus knew, he knew betrayal, rejection, and crucifixion awaited him. His closest friends would betray him. His closest friends would hand him over to be crucified. Yet he still sacrifices everything for us. Man, what a God. There's so many moments, you know, where we're not going to get it right. We're going to doubt and we're going to deny Jesus. But he still loves us just as he still loved the disciples. He still called them friends and he still commissioned them to go out and spread the good news and make disciples of all nations. He didn't expect perfection from them because if anyone knows, it's the Lord that knows that we're not perfect people, but we're all flawed. But he still gives, the, gives us the gifts and talents so that we can use those to fulfill the calling that he has over our lives. He knew the fate that waited him. So why ride in on a donkey and not a horse? Why not go to war? Why would he allow himself to be crucified? You know, it's through the crucifixion that he's able to show his power. Days before they're chanting and celebrating his entry into Jerusalem, days later he would be crucified and they're celebrating his crucifixion. But God continues to show his sovereignty even while being hung on a cross. He forgives the man next to him. He offers the man salvation and grace because of his great love that he has for us. We know that God is in control and the crucifixion was only the beginning of his wonder working power. He is crucified and pronounced dead, but we know that's not where the story ends. Three days later, he rose on the cross to fulfill the prophecy of the Messiah, the savior of the world. And there he is in all his splendor and all his glory and all his marvel, the prince of peace. It's in the chaos and confusion where we can find peace and comfort in knowing that God is in control. I mean, I imagine there's nothing but chaos going on around Jesus. And I continue to thank God that in the chaos that he didn't give me what I asked for. We can thank God at times for unanswered prayers because he knows better than us. Sometimes we want the quick fix. Sometimes we want what feels good to us. But God knows more God knows better and he's ordering our steps that what is happening to us will work out for our good, for the good of those who love the Lord, not for those who perfect his teachings, not for those who never make mistakes, but for those who love the Lord. The world will try and tell you differently. The world will try and convince you that you're not enough, but God's love covers over a multitude of sins. And we can see through this story And throughout these moments in history that God is in the details. He's in the details of your life. And just when you feel like you're falling through the cracks, know that the Lord has you in the palm of his hands. And I'm here to tell you that the Lord has great plans for you. He has a future for you filled with hope. And in times like this, I don't blame you for not believing me. 
I mean between capital riots, pandemics, snowstorms, and everything else, trying to keep up with our mental health. I don't blame you for questioning things. And you might be saying, you don't know me. You don't know the details of my life. But you're right. I don't know. But God knows. And he still thought you were worth dying for. Man. You see, Jesus, he put on flesh that he could physically, physically live and walk among us. Not only that, he put on flesh knowing that what would happen next, that putting on flesh will result in his suffering so that he could fulfill the prophecy of the cru- for the crucifixion and resurrection. I don't know about you, but I'd be screaming, pick somebody else. <laughs> we probably all feel that in our own lives when the burden seems too much to bear. Pick somebody else. But just know that you're chosen by God to be who you are and to be where you are. And you can find comfort in knowing that you're chosen. You're chosen by God and that there's nothing too hard for the Lord. I think about Paul, an unlikely man, being that he was a former persecutor of Christians. He was chosen by God to deliver the good news. He says in one of his many letters that what has happened to me has happened to advance the gospel. And Paul says this while he's preaching. He's, he's writing this letter while he's in chains, in physical bondage. We may not be in physical bondage, but sometimes we're held in bondage to doubt, to unforgiveness, to fear, to depression, anger, anxiety, and other things that wrestle with us and keep us from our purpose in trying to figure out who we are in Christ. But you can find hope in knowing that God will use those things that has happened to you to bless you and not to harm you and to give you a future with hope. If Jesus rode in on a horse symbolizing that he was ready for war, we may have never seen the working of his powers in the way we did and what happened on the cross because he died and rose to give us peace, peace that surpasses all understanding. And the the prince of peace is on the other side of our heartache and heartbreak. So what would happen if we celebrated through our sorrows and we spoke victory over our situations before they even happened? We've all experienced trials and we've experienced the moments where we're searching for understanding and meaning in life. Many of us are in that place right now. And my challenge to us is look into our own lives and see what's controlling our thoughts, which we know become words, which eventually become actions. We have to take the negative thoughts and negative self-talk captive and replace it with what God says about us. Recently at Moon Tower Church, um, we started the Lenten season fast and we're not fasting from food or sweets or anything like that, but we're fasting from harmful meditation. Yes, harmful meditation. Those moments where our thoughts just snowball and keep us up at night and, and put us in this negative space and negative energy. And we're just replacing them with what is true, what is lovely, what is admirable, what is pure, and what is praiseworthy. We're speaking life over ourselves and over our situation. And even then, you know, the enemy will try and distract us and try and convince us that we're not enough. But God says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So we see the people in this story, they're shouting Hosanna. Hosanna is a cry of praise and adoration for the Messiah, the Savior of the world. 
Imagine how your life would change and the life of your community and the life of your family would change if we shouted Hosanna over ourselves and over our situations. The text says, the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Picture the celebration, envision the crowd growing and people seeing Jesus as he is ready to lay his life down for us, for us, because of the great love that he has for us. He's willing to sacrifice it all. What a God that he thinks that we are deserving of his love, his grace, his goodness, his kindness, and his mercy towards us. So when things aren't going to plan, which happens a lot, know that the Lord's purpose will always prevail. Just as we have seen during this triumphant entry into Jerusalem, it's in the chaos where we can be reminded that God is in control, that he will continue to bless us as we shout Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest heaven. And we can find lemonade in the relentless love of God in the way that he remains sovereign over our lives. Amen. Let us pray. God, we just thank you for being who you are, Lord, continuing to keep us through the storms, Lord, continuing to bless us, God, continuing to give us victory and the authority to speak Hosanna over our lives, Hosanna over our situations, Lord, speaking life into us. We know that there is great power in the tongue. And so, Lord, we'll bless you, God, and we'll shout Hosanna, Lord, in the highest, God, believing that you're the savior of the world, Lord, and you can intercede on our behalf. So Holy Spirit, Lord, do what you do. Lord, continue to work in us and through us, Lord, so that our cups will overflow and we can bless all those that we come in contact with. Lord, we just love you. We praise you. We honor you. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.